0: not going to bury the lead today big day today we determine you determine it's on you it's not on me i've done all the work you determine who will be battling it out in tomorrow's final of the regal tumble we've been doing it now for almost two months and tomorrow it is the final day and today we're going out in style two poll questions pod one pod two New wrinkles at the last minute. all I can tell you is this: if you want to accurately determine supremacy in the television dominance, today you have to vote. Anything can happen, and we 'll get into it as we uh, move along here on this Tuesday morning. Today is Tuesday, so you know what that means. It means poop rankings. Yes, everybody else has their power rankings. We do things a little differently here on this show, and we will measure who 's the worst. There, the worst that there is in the NFL, and I'm just sitting here wondering, gee, who could it be? Who could be number one? Tough to say. It's tough to say. Uh, but look, we have lots of questions to answer over these next 60 minutes. We take you up to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Uh, and some of them are NFL-related, right? Like, can the Giants recover from that disaster of Sunday? And kind of going back and, and re-watching that game, that, that, that's the only term you really can use to describe Sunday. Disaster. And now, getting ready for the Browns coming up on Sunday night, right? Like, we have to figure out a way for the Giants to get two wins, right? If, we're gonna, if they're going to get into the playoffs, they're almost certainly going to have to win two games. When you look at their schedule, you look at Washington's schedule, I think both teams have at least one winnable game on that schedule. Washington might have two winnable games on that schedule, right? They have the Panthers and they have the Eagles. But are the Eagles now going to be different now, with the quarterback switch, kind of up in the air, so can the Giants recover from the disaster of Sunday? I guess the only jet question is, uh, can they be any more embarrassing? Was that rock bottom on Sunday? It'd be hard not to be rock bottom, right? You lose forty to three in a game, you are not even remotely competitive, and I love that tweet that they sent out when they had the early three nothing lead. We got a three nothing lead. How did it go from there? Uh, so we'll get, maybe get into some Jets stuff because it's amazing how they can always figure out a way to come up with some content for the show. God bless the Jets. But what a Monday night game last night. Now, chances are, if you're awake right now, you probably didn't see it, but you probably heard about it right right? The Ravens beat the Browns 47-42, to 42, people calling it the game of the year. I'm guessing those people are not Browns fans. Because if you have, I mean, we have had some pretty sickening losses, right? The, the Giants on Sunday, the Jets every single solitary week. But if you are a Browns fan, right? Like the longest streak in the NFL right now, current, of uh, playoff drought is Cleveland Browns. 17 years in a row. 17 years in a row. Even as bad as the Jets are, this is only going to be year 10. Imagine living through another seven years of this. So the Browns are are likely going to make the playoffs, but last night they had this incredible fourth quarter. And maybe I would feel differently about it if you know I, I I watched until halftime and then I get up and I watch it on Game Pass to kind of catch up on what the game how the game went about. And maybe I would feel differently if I didn't know what the result was at the end of the game. But the Browns rally from down thirty five to twenty in the fourth quarter, right? They get a they get a touchdown. They get a miraculous two-point conversion that dinks off the receiver's hand, goes to another receiver, so they're down seven. Lamar Jackson is out. The Browns get a quick uh, uh, three and out. They get the ball back. Big play, you know, ten-play drive. Mayfield diving into the end zone. You're all tied up. Lamar Jackson is sidelined with uh, what they're calling, quote-unquote, I'm doing the air quotes, cramps, which a lot of people are wondering just what cramps actually meant. But uh, Trace McSorley comes into the game. That's apparently the uh, the backup there. So they get the ball back, at, you know, with RG3 being sideline. So they get the ball back with Trace McSorley. And after the first drive with Trace McSorley, they did absolutely nothing. And Trace McSorley looked like he also, he might have had what people were suggesting was wrong with uh, Lamar Jackson. Because he looked uh, about as scared as you could look. But then he comes in on the second drive. First couple of plays, it's like it's almost like why don't you just punt on first down if you could? But then he completes a big third down pass to keep the drive alive, and then they get a couple of runs for another for a couple of first downs. And you're thinking to yourself, all the Browns have to do here is just get the ball back. Their offense is is clicking so well, and then Trace McSorley takes a wrong step, goes down with a knee injury. So now even the guys on the broadcast, I can never decipher if it's um, which guy is, is talking. Um, sometimes their voices sound very, very similar. But even they were saying, I don't even know who, they're back, who the, the third stringer is right now. But then just as that happens, who comes running out of the tunnel? No TP on his shoe, but here comes Lamar Jackson running out of the tunnel. So you're thinking, all right, maybe Lamar Jackson's over the cramps. First play that he, he's back in there, throws a touchdown pass. So that the Cleveland defense, which has already been you know massacred all night long by a Ravens offense, that what's the conversation been all year, right? What's wrong with Lamar Jackson? What's wrong with the Ravens? The Ravens don't don't look the same. But Cleveland gets the ball back for the offense. They go right back down the field. They get another touchdown. Kareem Hunt diving at the pylon. One o four to go. Tie game. Again, you're thinking, all right, at least get to overtime. At least, you know, maybe the momentum is on your side. Not that you want to play for overtime, but the Ravens go right back down the field. There's 104 left. They got one timeout, and the time was really never an issue on that final drive. They kick a 55-yard field goal uh, to win the game, and then to add insult to injury, if you had the Ravens uh, minus three, or if you had the Browns plus three, uh, they get a safety One after the the kickoff, which goes out out of the back of the end zone. So the the Browns do have one last shot to try and score. They start doing all these laterals. It ends up in the end zone with the safety. So you have Ravens uh, with five. So uh, an awful loss, an awful performance by the Browns' defense. You gave up 47 points in a game against the Ravens, which we've all talked about all year, how the Ravens' offense, especially lately, has not looked right. And even then... Even as bad as that is, Lamar Jackson didn't even play the whole game. I mean, he, he missed a couple of series. And then if you had happened to bet the game, thank God I did. Oh, my God. If I had woken up this morning and found out that I lost that bet, oh, after the weekend I had, oh, yikes, that would have been a disaster. But bad news for the Browns yesterday. Ha- you'd have to say, right, bad news for the Giants, too. Because any hope of a young Browns team coming off an emotional win on a Monday night and then turning around for another, uh, you know, prime time performance where maybe if they had won that game last night, you think, all right, maybe they, you know, maybe they not that they let up, but maybe, you know, the, the moment gets a little big for them and they, they, you know, come back down to earth. That's out of the equation. So uh, not great for the news for, for the New York Giants either, who have not gotten a whole lot of good news here lately. Just when it seemed like things were turning around, right? And the Giants said, well. So we'll have to hope that Daniel Jones's hamstring recovers quite as quickly as Lamar Jackson did last night. So uh, it's, a, it's a rough kind of situation for the Giants. that They find themselves in after Sunday. And, look, I have said it's amazing to me how quickly things have changed because at this point last week, and I, as I said yesterday, I'm guilty. I thought that they were going to go in and, and beat the Cardinals. I did not look at the Cardinals as some, uh, as some juggernaut, mainly because they're not. They were a struggling team with an injured quarterback who had become kind of one-dimensional. And they went out there on Sunday, the Cardinals, and just dominated the Giants throughout that game. I mean, the Giants, look, that that was their worst performance since week three of the season, coming off their best win in uh, four years, the Giants. So, uh, look, it's amazing, though, how quickly things have changed. Because at this point last week, you were hearing some just ridiculous things about how, oh, nobody's going to want to face the Giants come the playoffs, right? Or all of a sudden using some sort of revisionist history to try to uh, paint Dave Gettleman's time as the Giants' GM as far more positive than it is. You know, sometimes that happens. Sometimes the narrative is wrong and it takes time for, you know, moves and signings, acquisitions to kind of play themselves out. That is not the case with Dave Gettleman. It, it, just because the Giants, just because he had a good off season this past off season, right, with the draft and some signings, clearly uh, Bradbury and all those, all credit where credit is due. That does not mean that years one and years two, all of a sudden, you go back and say, you know what? He he kind of saw something that we didn't know. We all saw the same things, and what we saw was those moves were generally wrong moves. That does not that, that does not go back and, and, and change the equation. But it's funny because I'll still say, if I'm a Giant fan, looking at the landscape of what you're looking at now with three games to go, I would still say, as I've said, the Giants should want to, Giant fans should want to make the playoffs, right? This conversation of would you rather have the better draft pick or would you rather make the playoffs? I would rather make the playoffs. But it's amazing how all it took was that one loss. That one performance on Sunday to make people realize that, you know, making the playoffs, while good, while overall what you should want, it can mask some of the actual issues surrounding the team. And what you'd have to say is, you know, masking the issues surrounding the team, A, the quarterback is not good. Now, he might be good. I know a lot of people will t- try to tell you, oh, no, he's going to be good. Maybe you might be right. We don't know. That's kind of an unknowable question. Or you might think, you know what, he's going to get better. He might. He's not good right now. And it's almost two full years in, and he's not good. And it is kind of amazing how much time we have focused on the Giants just simply and made it out like trying to twist and contort our, our minds into thinking that they are a good team. Now, they might be a playoff team. They might be far better than we thought they were going to be at 0-5 or 1-7. But they're not a good team. And the only reason why we have spent this much time on them is really nothing to do with them. It's because it is a fluky year in the NFC East where every single team stinks. And it's just a question of which team stinks the least. one eight hundred nine one nine espn one 800 919 So coming up, Uh, We have to get into D.J. Lemay. Oh, my God. Is it going to turn out that the Yankees don't re-sign D.J. LeMahieu? You thought my FanDuel account was a bloodbath. Oh, my God. I'm going to go nuts because the Yankees got to start realizing, hey, you know what? We're the Yankees. So we'll get into uh, what the reports were yesterday about whether or not uh, he's now going to start uh, looking at other offers, looking at other teams, what this could mean for the Yankees, and why it – for whatever – gap there is if it's 20 million 25 million while that is the uh the easiest gap to fix because every other option is worse a call or two in here and uh, we'll go out to steve in cedar grove steve what's going on man steve hey how's it going good morning gordon i'm good man what's up uh I just wanted to say, although I believe the station did need a local
1: flavor in the morning, it should not have been at the expense of this show. That's as much as I'll say about that. Uh, I started commuting at this time about three plus years ago, and I've been on board ever since. I wanted to thank you and your producers and Debbie um, for just having a great show. You didn't deserve this. And uh, thanks for the laughs, your great sense of humor, your insight. Ashamed to see you go. I hope to see you back on Saturdays eventually, and good luck with the nighttime venture. I know you're not leaving the
0: station. But... Yes. Well, thank you, Steve. I appreciate that, and everybody does deserve credit. And, uh, mostly me. That's the the main thing. I think this should be the takeaway from your phone call: is how great I am. Yes, absolutely. All
1: right. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Well, thank you for the laugh. Um I'm starting to get a little worried about DJ. I hope yeah. he does come back. I'm watching a guy play ball. Um, I don't know what the Yankees are doing. Um, but uh, hopefully they do get that done. And I'd like to wish Sam Donald well also. He's been put in a terrible situation that if things don't change, it's going to be the same story for Trevor Lawrence. So I wish Sam well. You know, some of it is his fault, but not all. Most of it is in a bad situation. And uh, I wish him and you guys well. Thanks so much. Have a great time, Steve.
0: Thanks for the call, man. one 800 espn is the phone number. Yeah, in terms of the LeMayhew stuff, you know, the reports yesterday that uh, the, the gap is $25 million. He's going to start to engage with other teams. Well, look, he's a free agent. He should be engaging with other teams. You know, it's about him finding uh, the best situation, whatever, you know, the most important things to him are. if it If it's money. If it's, you know, uh, a chance to win, whatever it is, it, it's up to him to find out what that is. Uh, I would think that the difference here in the negotiation is the difference between four years and five years. And the fact that it's already, you know, the, the Yankees position is at four years uh, tells you that LeMahieu must obviously be in very high demand. Because I think they went into it not wanting to really go beyond three years. And now it's already, you know, their, 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 you know, their bottom line spot is four years. And... At least the possibility that he might get to five. Here's the I mean, look, the Yankees need to start acting like the Yankees. There's no reason to allow him to get away for all the reasons that I've already laid out, right? He's their best player. He's versatile. He's a guy that, even if you're talking at the age of 36 and 37, should age well because of the fact of his defensive versatility, the fact that he can play second base at a very high level, can move to first or third. Um, now, DH is not going to be a thing. You know, people I've, I've seen people saying about, you know, even when he gets to 36, 37, the American League is still going to have the DH. Yeah, unfortunately, the Yankees are still going to have Giancarlo Stanton taking up that DH spot. So but in terms of D.J. LeMayhew, he performs regular season, postseason. And, you know, people will say about him being the batting champ. In reference to him leading uh, the American League, I think he led all of baseball. Did he lead all of baseball? Oh, anyway, he led all of the American League in terms of batting average. That I mean, that determinant, you know, that uh, definition, batting champ, really should be used now to determine, you know, uh, be determined by OPS. Who, you know, when you say batting champ, it's like you're the king of, uh, you know, mastery at the plate. And 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 batting average is not really a sign of of someone being the master at the plate, the best hitter in whatever league. It should be OPS, and he is he is he led uh, the American League in OPS last year. So I mean, for all those reasons, absolutely of course the Yankees should bring him back and, and do whatever they have to do. But here's the other thing: the Yankees are in win now mode, and there's no Plan B that will cost as little as DJ LeMayu. Now that's even close to the same level of player. So, like you know, if you if it turns out you know today, DJ LeMahieu signs with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Okay, fine. He's off the table. He's out. He's you know we're all ticked off and everything else. And I would really say if if the Yankees allowed DJ LeMahieu to get away, that would be the most unpopular decision move of the entire Brian Cashman tenure. I don't even know if that it would really even be close. But let's say that that happens. He gets away. The Yankees don't sign. Okay, what's plan B? Well, I would guess that they'd probably reinvestigate or or continue to investigate the possibility of Francisco Lindor. Francisco Lindor is going to cost you way more. He's going to cost you players because you're going to have to trade for him. And then if you're trading for him, you're going to have to re-sign him. And at, at at the least he's going to cost you $200 million. So I, I don't see where this, the, there's this other plan. So I get that maybe you know, the Yankees are going to have to tweak things here or tweak things there if they sign D.J. LeMay to a five-year deal. But the, the chances of it uh, going wrong in five years, yeah, there is a chance. But you know what? If you don't re-sign this guy who is your best player who plays every day or at least the, as much as you allow him to play every day, the chances of this group never winning a championship increases. It increases. I don't know how much it increases, but it certainly increases because you can't, you can't improve on that guy without spending way more in terms of talent and in terms of money. one 800 1-800-919-3776. 800 alright look, we've delayed it long enough. It's what you love. It's what you know. It's what we're all looking forward to. It is the Regal Tumble. It is time to determine who goes forward and who goes home and yesterday we found out that the first show or, last, or I should say the last show in the preliminary rounds to be eliminated you uncultured swines how you allowed madmen to do that poorly I don't even know what you I don't even know what you're doing I, I, I can't uh, look I love the audience especially when you compliment me that's the thing that I love the most but how you could allow madmen. One of the all-time classic shows to finish at 6.7% of the voting. I don't know how you sleep at night. And because you're working these hours, you probably don't sleep at night. You probably sleep during the day. But still, the point remains. How dare you? How dare you, people? Now, I'm not saying that Mad Men... Deserved to win over the other three shows, The Simpsons, The Office, Breaking Bad. I would say, if it were up to me, Breaking Bad to me is obviously, we all know. But I would say Mad Men probably be number two in that. And you guys uh, voted it at 6.7. That's This Is Us bad. Which, th- that's, I think the only show that I know off the top of my head finished worse than that was The Real Housewives. And rightfully so, they're, they're terrible. But the fact that Mad Men was even close to The Real Housewives... It's unconscionable. I don't know how you people uh, how you look yourselves in the mirror, Uh, but okay. So Mad Men is gone, and the uh, preliminary rounds are now out. So we now get to the shows that are going to make up our semifinals, and that would key the dramatic music. There we go. Time Bubble doing a fantastic job filling in time. So greatest TV show of all time, Regal Tumble. We will have two poll questions today. We have six shows. Any of the six could come away with the title. And here's how it's going to break down today. Because you can't have six shows into one poll question. We'll have two poll questions and the top four percentages. So that does not mean the two top finishers in each poll question. If, you know, another show gets a higher percentage in the uh, in, in the vote, they will move on. And that will make up our final four tomorrow. So the first pod, of course, we know from way back when that is uh, made up of The Sopranos. It is made up of Seifelt. And it is made up of the uh, upstart underdog you'd have to say in this mix. Chappelle Show. Chappelle Show. People were saying how the Chappelle Show It only has three seasons. It doesn't matter how many seasons it has. If a book, if a great book is not part of a, of, a, of a trilogy or a part of a series, right? Is it still a great book? It could have one series. Well, one season, right? The Honeymooners had one season. It was a great show. Now, it didn't make it, but still, very, very good. And if it had made it, it wouldn't have been outrageous. So, yeah, Chappelle's show, absolutely. I think in terms of the cultural significance, in terms of the impact it made in a very short time, I think it's, it, it definitely belongs. Definitely belongs. All right, so that's the first part. You vote on that one. But then, of course, we have the second pot as well, which we will have at least one show from. And those shows, of course, again, are Breaking Bad. You guys don't know this. I will never do the show again. Um, The uh, Simpsons. We have clearly seen... Has tarnished their legacy by staying for all the talk about athletes doing that there's not really a great example of an athlete tarnishing their legacy nearly as much as the Simpsons tarnished their legacy and then of course we also have after being booted and then back in the mix we have the office so those are your six shows those are your two poll questions they up for you on Twitter at Gordon Dammer. and again, however it breaks down, I don't know how we're gonna, how it's gonna go. It really could be, um, it really could be anything. It really could be anything, and I can't obviously pin the poll question. So if you, you're gonna have to go to my, because you know, I got two poll questions today, so we're not gonna be able to uh, to pin them. But it's up to you. So look, I will just say. If you don't vote and the, say the Sopranos finishes fifth somehow, against all odds, it finishes fifth and it doesn't make the fun. Well, look, whose fault is that? It's not my fault. I set up the rules. You have to go out there and actually take care of business. Or if the Simpsons makes it and you don't think the well, whose fault is that? It's not mine. It's on you. It's up to you. So go vote. It's up on Twitter. It's at Gordon Damer, pod One. Sopranos, Seinfeld, Chappelle Show. Part two, Breaking Bad, The Simpsons, and The Office. And I will just say this. Vote your conscience, but just know, if it turns out that Breaking Bad does not make it, I will hold people accountable. I I will be like Liam Neeson in Taken. I have a particular set of skills. We're not really sure what those skills are, but I will figure out who you are. And I I will track you down, hunt you down and uh, be very, very upset at you. I'll give you a very, very dirty look. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Have I mentioned that it is the most wonderful time of the year? Well, it is. And the Michael K. Show's holiday broadcast is back this year. We are giving you a chance to hit the airways with Michael, Don, and Peter with your holiday hot take. Everyone's got them, so fire off one for your chance to win some holiday spending cash. And your way on air during the Michael K. Show's holiday broadcast, which is tomorrow, Wednesday, December 16th. I would love to hear, because there's somebody listening to all these, what's the worst one? What's the absolute worst? Te- I feel like that person probably should deserve a prize. And if it were up to me, that's who would get the prize. But it's not. Dial into the Holiday Hot Take hotline right now. 347-974-ESPN. That's 347 347-974- 974 3776. Again, if you need ESPN spelled out. Maybe your hot take isn't as hot as you think, but I digress. Leave us a message with your best hot take and you got to get on it, right? Cuz the thing's tomorrow. So get moving. Four winners will each score 250 bucks, which is nice. And a shot at the spotlight during the show with the biggest names in sports, The Michael K Show, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. All right, so that's out of the way. Regal tumble, it's up. You can vote on it on Twitter, but coming up we have to get to Sam Darnold. And, maybe appropriately, we have to get to our Week 14 poop rankings. So it's really getting down to the nitty-gritty when it comes to who is the worst.
1: I always operated on the premise myself that you're allowed to laugh in football. That laughing is not a no-no. That funny things do happen. Funny situations do occur, and that every once in a while, a lighthearted approach, coaching or teaching young men how to play football, can involve a smile or a laugh or outright laughter because funny things do happen. Funny things should not be a no no.
0: All right, so there he is, Bill Parcells, the big tuna. Why the big tuna? Well, on this date, December fifteenth, nineteen eighty-three. The Giants. I guess you could kind of say that the turnaround started with uh, maybe with Ray Perkins, but Bowen uh, Parcells took over the following year, nineteen eighty-three. Giants had uh, posted what one winning season in like the last decade or something like that. So, and then the first year it didn't get off to the best of starts. Three two and uh, three twelve and one. Right? Were they three? I think they were three twelve and one. They had uh, they, they they went with Scott, he went with Scott Bruner over Sims that first year, and it really seemed like there was a good chance that he might not make it past that first year. But then uh, you know year number two, nine and seven, ten and six uh, over the next couple of years, and then playoff appearances, Super Bowl titles. So Bill Parcells, maybe some hope for the New York Jets that you know what, making that one move right—that's always the hope, and I think that a lot of times that's uh, that's. Uh, that's, uh, you know, pinning your hopes on one move and thinking that that's going to get it turned around. Uh, it's probably a fool's gold, but at least for the Giants, that's one of those big ones. It's certainly one of the big ones. So the Jets are going to have lots of decisions to make after this season is over because it's clear at this point they're getting the number one pick, they're taking Trevor Lawrence, and they will have a new head coach. But right now, speaking of the New York Jets, let's get to NFL Poop Rankings. Now, every other squad, every other show, they all, you know, they're focused on power rankings. Who's the best? Is it the Chiefs? Is it this team? Is it that team? Here, we worry about. Because each and every week, I got to watch the Giants and the Jets so I can talk about them on this show. And after this week, I don't have to do... No, I still do. Uh, So let's... Giants have kind of... They were on the poop rankings for a very long time. But they finally... Managed to get their way off. And I think we started poop rankings in week four. So now we're in week 14. So more than two months of poop rankings. And, uh, you know, much like Casey Kasem with uh, Debbie Boone's uh, You Light Up My Life, which was number one, I believe, for nine straight weeks. Can the Jets do it for ten weeks in a row? Can they be the number one squad? Well, let's get right to it. Team number five on the poop rankings. And this is going to shock you. Team number five is the new york jets the new york jets yes the new york um they are number five how would gordon how would you say they're number five well let me get to the other squads and I, it'll, it'll make sense but look you're coming off getting absolutely humiliated as much as you could at this point right Humili— is there any humiliation left I would think at some point the humiliation just gets to be overkill. Like, you know, maybe it comes back and gives you pride some. I don't know. I don't know how it feels to be that. Hum- I know how it feels to be humiliated in life. But that boy, 40 to 3 at 0 and 13 for the first time in Jets history, that would be like, you know, like when you're talking about Jets history. You're talking about largely embarrassing things, right? We don't generally, well, how did the Jets do in Jets history who has the most No, it's it's about, you know, these bad seasons and these bad moments, these low points. And to think that this in all of Jet history is the lowest point. That's like saying you hit more home runs than any other Yankee. I mean, that's it's crazy. So number 5, the New York Jets. <laughs> Number four. Also the New York Jets. Yeah, I mean, when you lose 40-3, to you have to take up more than just one spot in the poop rankings. And, uh, again, 0-13, even Rich Cotite did not go 0-13. So that just shows you how bad of a situation it is with the Jets this year and, and, you know, moving forward after this year. It's going to be a a clean sweep or maybe a, a... a hard flush. You know, sometimes you get a decent flush, and then other times you get a really good flush. They're going to have to have a really good flush to get it all down after this year. But at least once you get past this year, and, and look, you've almost done it. you got three more weeks. You It points this year for Jet fans. They thought, how am I going to do this for another eight weeks, another five weeks? You're down to three weeks. You're almost through it. You've almost made it through the labyrinth that is the 2020 football season. But number four, New York Jets. We're starting to run out of time, so I'll just tell you right now: numbers three, two, and one. They're also the Jets. All five spots on the poop rankings are the New York Jets. I mean, it is amazing. I never thought when we came up with this segment that it would be possible for one team to be that bad. And yet, you'd have to say, you know, I heard what was it? One of the shows I was looking at the rundowns they were talking about are the Jets. Is this the worst Jets team in history? I don't even think it's close. The Jet team that won one game, we all knew back then that that team had some talent. That team had talent. They should not have. That was a case of bad coaching. This is also a case of bad coaching. It's a case of bad everything. Everything is bad on the Jets this year. But in terms of, uh, you know, I don't know that they have that much talent. They are that bad. Coaching, quarterback play, everything. It is abysmal. So, yeah, to have all five spots, even in the night after uh, Lamar Jackson tried to start his own poop rankings, apparently, according to the reports on Twitter. But no, all five spots for the New York Jets, they take them all up on the poop rankings. All right, that's going to do it for poop rankings for uh, week 14. We'll have to see. I'll have to pitch this segment to uh, Larry Hardesty to see it. So, Larry, what we do is we run through the bet. Uh huh. And then uh, I play, we play uh, sound effects. What kind of sound? I, mean, I don't think that this is going to fly. But we'll see. We'll never know. 1-800-919-ESPN, one um, Yeah, we'll Yeah, we'll save Sam Darnold till the next segment because uh, we have to get into that because he had some interesting things to say. And here's the main thing I think you have to take away is that Sam Darnold yesterday was lying. I have to assume he's lying. So we'll get into what he had to say and why I think he is lying uh, coming up. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM. ESPN New York. I did want to touch on Sam Darnold because yesterday, uh, you know, the comments about him wanting to be a jet for life. He doesn't want to go anywhere, all these type of things. I have to assume that either, A, he is lying, or, B, that Sam's an institutional man now. Like, uh, remember in Shawshank where they, they send you here for life and that's exactly what they take? The part that counts anyway yeah there, I mean there's no reasonable explanation, and then look, it's the right thing to say, right? He can't say, "God, I can't wait to get out of here. but you have to know that there's no chance that he won, wa- especially if things stay the way they are. Now, I do think that there's going to be a, a coaching change, but it's not like they're going to be able to go out in one off season, even with all the draft picks, even with all the money, and improve this situation enough that would make you feel comfortable with Sam Darnold. And I would say this, Sam has been so bad. Now, look, it's not going to happen. But let's say they won a game and they pick second in the draft. They probably should take a quarterback second, too. In the games that he's played this year, he's completed 58% of his passes. He has five touchdowns and nine interceptions. It's been more than a year since he's thrown for 300 yards. And think about that. Every single week, the Jets are trailing, and he still hasn't thrown for 300 yards in a game. He hasn't thrown for more than 230 yards in any game this year. And it's the fifth time, fifth straight game, that he's thrown for less than 200. And again, they're losing every single week. You would figure, right, you're losing in a game. You get one of these games where you throw for a bunch of yards in garbage time. Their garbage time is garbage. So, yes, I think that it's a fresh start. And I know that um, Rex Ryan had some comments about that this proves that Mark Sanchez is uh, better than Sam Darnold. Well, look, I will say this. Uh, I think Darnold was better, and I would still say that. But I will say this also. Darnold is also worse. Like, his floor is worse than Sanchez's floor. If you had told any Jet fan that in year three of Sam Darnold with the Jets... That at this point, we would be into December, 10 days away from Christmas, and the quarterback, who you all thought was going to be the franchise guy, had five touchdowns. Five for the season. You would all thought, oh, you, you, you just hate the Jets score. Just... He has five. He has five more than I do, and I haven't played at all. Let's get a couple more calls in. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776 is the phone number. Let's go out to uh, our buddy Omar is in Brooklyn. Omar. Hello, how are you? Oh, I, was, I thought you were here was, yesterday after your bills finally showed up and didn't, uh, you know, melt. And they last uh, two games in a row,
1: primetime TV, national TV showing day by day, improving day by day, and telling you every day, the non-sayers, the non-believers of Josh Allen, McDermott, defensive coordinator, he doesn't know how to play offense. This is not an offensive team. They cannot imagine. At this particular time, after 14th week, is over. The only team, only team in AFC that can compete at every, every level with Kansas City Chiefs, I can put in my mark Buffalo Bills, complete team. The only weaknesses they have, they cannot stop the run. They have covered it up. Then they have a problem that they take the lead and they cannot run the floor. They are starting to do that and kill the clock. There is no weakness. Those Nick's looking? Knicks are okay. You're my dad. I got you, Get out
0: of here. That's Omar Brooklyn. one 800 919 Even he couldn't get Even Mr. Enthusiasm for the Buffalo Bills, that did not translate in any way to the New York Knicks. Oh, look, there's a long season for the Knicks coming up, but uh, we all kind of knew that going in. Uh, Spike is in Jersey. Spike, what's going on, man? Boy, oh boy, that was talk about from high to low.
1: I thought the volume went off on my phone. First of all, uh, wish you luck on the new hours. Uh, That starts after the first of the year?
0: I think so, yeah.
1: Okay, um, I think I'd find out if I were you. Yeah, be... well,
0: we'll find out at some point. In the
1: I know, I'm just thanks for everything in the morning, and you'll give it back to everyone at night. You I uh, wanted to tell you before you left, how much I appreciate you, but I also wanted to tell you, I thought your uh, Dolphins played great on Sunday. I really did. I mean, you got your quarterback now. I think, you uh, would, I think you're would. think pretty convinced, am I right? Yeah,
0: I mean, look, I thought it was a very gutty performance the fact that they were down the way that, you know, after having the early lead, falling behind and, you know, I, we all talk about right when it comes to quarterbacks weapons this guy needs weapons they need to surround these guys with weapons and all these type of things you take a look at how decimated and i'm not going to spend it you know a long time on the on the dolphins no i know they all the guys i mean their top 2 3 receivers are out now their tight end is out they've lost their running they've lost two top running backs you know their offensive line is not anything to uh you know to to rave about and i'm still not convinced about the quarterback because the question about the quarterback is durability so it's great oh. that he has games like he did uh, on Sunday and I thought, you know, he had he had his moments, he had some struggles too, but he had his moments and I, I like where he's at, but the biggest question is is he going to be able he's already missed time this year. So Yeah, I know question that but he, about he, him he, is, he is portrayed toughness, he was he was tough. Yeah, he was tough. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. He was able to uh to to kind of, you know, and they got it to within a score. They got it to a, a third down, but, you know, the yep. Chiefs are at a different level, and the Dolphins are oh, at
1: they're, level. they're better than anybody in the league. Last thing on the Knicks, uh, not to draft any guys who could make shots. They got two guys who could are over 35% from three-point range. So, I mean, I, they're giving up again this year. It's another 17-win season if they play. Gordon, good luck to you in anything All you right, do. Spike,
0: thanks for the call, man. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the Knicks, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll get to them tomorrow. I, you know, when we get back on the Saturday shows, I'm sure we'll be focused on them quite regularly. I would almost I would rather have that than some, you know, maximizing of whatever this year and squeezing out a couple of extra wins that they don't really, you know what I mean? Like, the way I look at the Knicks at this point is we know what it is, right? Like, the fact that people are like, you know, it's early, but uh, Dennis Smith Jr. hasn't looked that good. Kevin not. I, these guys might just be what they are. And, and it's about, this year is about determining, discovering anything that you might have on the roster developing that you have on the roster, and then getting back into the draft. Those are the three Ds that will make up this next season. So, yeah, it's going to be a long season. I don't know how many games uh, you know they're going to end up winning, but, yeah, they're probably going to be in the, you know, if they win 20-something games, even with a more legitimate coach, and I think, the, you know, the staff that they've put together so far, you know, I kind of like the approach. They have not taken the old approach that I already know does not work. So I like that about them. So we'll, we'll see. We'll have plenty of time to discuss the uh, the ills and, and, and getting back into the draft lot. Do we know the draft lottery date? Have we had a countdown for that yet? As soon as they come up with that uh, that date, then the countdown begins because that's where the Knicks are going to be back uh, once again. All right, that's going to do it for today. We're already out of time. Tomorrow is Wednesday. So tomorrow we will have, of course, headlines Florida man. But tomorrow is also when we will have the final of the Regal Tumble, the top four shows. And I can say right now, just kind of looking at the vote totals, there are going to be people that are upset. If things stand the way they are right now, people are going to be upset. So, again, there are two different poll questions today six shows. This is the final six. We will get down to the final four tomorrow. So, we're just going to be eliminating two shows. But again, It is going to be determined by percentage, no matter what poll question you're in. So it's possible Pod 1 could be all three shows and just one from Pod 2 or vice versa, or 2 and 2. could go any of those type of directions. So you have to get out there. You have to vote. The six shows, Breaking Bad, The Simpsons, The Office, The Seinfeld, Chappelle Show. And I can tell you right now, looking at the vote totals, it could go any way. And if it could go any way, that's a sign people are going to be upset tomorrow.